a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Welcome listeners to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by a lady originally from Australia, and that should tell you a lot because uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, Kim Hamer has been on this podcast on more than one previous occasion. And a uh, very warm welcome to you, Kim. Welcome back. Thank you, Paul. It's lovely to be back. Hello to all the listeners. And what we decided we talk about, something that's um, very prevalent, I think, in today's uh, particularly in more recent times, is, is two very, very striking words, love and hope. And so we're going to talk about how they can change our lives. So any thoughts, any early initial thoughts came around love and or hope? Yeah, so it's really interesting, Paul, because this is really um, a prevalent theme, I think, at the moment. Um, just in the world generally, there's you know a lot uh, that we are being confronted with, and it would be very easy to lose uh faith in humanity and and lose faith in our love for each other so i think this is a really interesting topic to be talking about right at this moment um albeit it's a timeless one uh, i think for for me uh i think love and hope are really powerful words i sometimes struggle a bit with the word hope uh and the, the the reason behind that is because when i hear people talk about hope it feels uh, very non-action oriented and I'm a bit of an action girl and and I, I sort of see I feel like when I say I hope or I have hope it doesn't I don't feel very connected to it but when I talk about um, uh, seeing possibilities that's kind of the same as hope but for me that language has a much more powerful connection this whole thing about seeing possibilities and having faith in the future uh, so it's really interesting I think um, the the take we individually have on particular on particular words mm. it's about that perception again isn't it what you know what does a word mean to uh, to one person, probably something completely different to another. And up to, um, I'm going to say a small degree, Kim, I agree with you. Um, up until, say, four months ago, that small degree would have been a very large degree. But my world and my interpretation and understanding and everything that surrounds that simple four-letter word has changed. And I know, listeners, uh, what, what your thoughts might be on this, but I know I've spoken to a lot of people uh, outside some of them are listeners and you know they kind of agree that the 
the way that um, modern modern events or uh, recent events is the word I'm looking for have changed the dynamics of thinking and hope has become something now with a completely different context and um, yeah so it's just interesting isn't it how we have those various perceptions um, of you know is it opportunity is it hope? Because for me, Kim, mm. the hope connotation then puts it out and having that faith to know that a lot of things happen in this world that are massively, massively outside of our human ego-driven control. And that takes some letting go of. And that does bring in the word faith. And that does bring in the word hope then to know that everything will be okay. I don't know how it will be okay. It's out of my control. And that can be very, very scary when we lose that certainty. I know on a previous episode, we did the six human needs and we spoke around, um, you know, the polarity or perceived polarity between certainty and uncertainty. And I can kind of see where, you know, hope takes people into a maybe a realm of uncertainty. And that's probably what we as human beings we're not comfortable with. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I, I think definitely there's a sense of uncertainty. I think there's uncertainty around um, both words. Actually, I know we're you know we've sort of we've started with hope, if you like, but you know there's an uncertainty uh, about both of these because they're not they're not like defined. They're not neat and tidy and all in a box, and they can't be measured. I think that's that's another thing as well that makes it uncertain. What's what's hope? full for one person is not for another what constitutes love for one person is different for another so you know i think um that that search for something bigger um is 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 for me something about about hope having and as you said it's kind of having this faith and belief that um it will either all turn out in the end or that for me uh, i think in the current you know environment um that we're looking at we you know, there's a there's a belief and a and a I guess a hope for the future of the human race and how we connect as people and what we're willing to stand for and we're seeing that particularly um, at the moment. But I think there's also a you know a, a bigger a bigger picture. You know, you and I have talked, Paul, about um, you know some of the bigger you know environmental type world you know um, issues to do with nature. Um, and nature is definitely something that I think as as humans we've tried to control and every so often it just bites back and goes, actually, no. And, you know, when things like that happen, there has to be, uh, you know, something we say to ourselves, there's something bigger and it will all be okay, it will all turn out in the end, even if we're not sure how turning out looks like. So we hope there's a hope, I guess, for that um yeah i don't know what 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 are your thoughts on the on the whole um the bigger piece of hope in the world i think with with hope or what you know let's let's generalize for a moment listeners so what 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 i'm kind of where i'm steering this is it brings in another word and this is you know for the benefit of uh, of our beloved listeners this is not a, i suppose an academic debate uh, around two coaches around what he or she feels and thinks is right on a personal level but it you know with with that as a foundation kim it brings in another word 
Uh, as I say, it's not a play on words between two wordsmiths, but there's a big word that underpins both these called acceptance, that there is something bigger beyond. Now, that's a very personal, intimate relationship for all of us. You know, some people might call that God. Some might call it spirits. Some might call it the universe, awareness, consciousness. You know, that, in my humble opinion, is a very, very, very intimate relationship. And there is no right and there is no wrong on that. That's that's up to the individual. Um, but this whole kind of acceptance of there is something bigger, I feel lays this foundation of whether it's love or hope, because as you say, they're both uh, they're both intangible. You know, try grabbing. It's a bit like the wind. Uh, probably not best to introduce another word at the moment because we've got quite a few flying around as it is. Um, but try and grab it. Try and touch it. You can't, but you can feel its power. You know, what is this thing called love? Um, I've, I've tried to, you know, bottom this question out and get a definitive answer with relationship experts. There, there isn't a definitive answer. I don't know what, uh, you know, the dictionaries would define it as or whatever, but I venture whatever that, however they describe it, it's going to mean a million different things to a million different people. And um, so there's this whole kind of acceptance of, as I say, there is something bigger or maybe not. I mean, people, you know, far be it for me to presume that there is. In my world, there definitely is. But that's only my world. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting about <laughs> the power of words, isn't it? You know, we throw words mm. around every day and we have conversations and we kind of get in that default, don't we, around, oh, you know, I'm saying this word and I'm saying that word. And and until somebody actually challenges, ah, but what, what do you really mean by that? Well, mm. what I say, yeah, but I know, but what do you mean? And I'll give you an example of that, Kim. When I was doing my master's in quality management, there was uh, the word quality. So what does quality mean? And at the time, I studied six eminent quality gurus, and three of them were American and three of them were Japanese. What's interesting for me is of those six very eminent, powerful figures, world figures, no two of them could agree on a common definition of the word quality. They were all very, very, very different. I think the closest for me was an American called Tom Peters when he said, perception is all there is. That's so correct. I'm a huge fan of Tom Tom Peters. I so follow him very regularly on all his social media channels and that sort of thing. And I think that's, it, it's so true. And what we've just been, you know, talking about between us, I guess, is our perception. It's you know, language is so powerful and words are so powerful. And, the, you know, the title of this podcast being, you know, Love and Hope, Two Simple Words. Is there any such thing as a simple word? Because we we all attribute our own experiences and perceptions and meaning to, to, to language. And, you know, I think that's what makes this really interesting conversation. Because as you say, we don't want to get all academic and coachy about it. Um, you know, we want to we want to explore something that, you know, opens something up, I guess, for both ourselves, our listeners and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, you know, it's really interesting that it's all about perception. Two different people listening to this conversation will have completely different experiences and perceptions of it. Mm, so maybe the title ought to be two subjective words, not simple. I do like the, <laughs> I do like the word simple, though, I must admit. Um, it's, it's, yeah, again, like the word hope. 
from my own level of awareness, whatever that's deemed to be, it's the word simplicity and the word hope are really coming through thick and fast to me um, as a result of you know the recent pandemic, for example. I think people are crying out for this this guidance, this this hope. You know, give us something mm. to follow and something to believe in beyond you know what what might be deemed normal faith has been challenged to such an extent that people are just giving up there's so much mm. so many dark atrocities happening in the world and of course this is not nothing you know it's not new but it seems at the moment to be particularly that it's raised its head at a level that um, i don't know i mean certainly in my lifetime i've never known any anything remotely like the covid-19 scenario that we're experiencing and the deaths and the the whole the whole destruction that's gone with that the whole knock on effect but that's just one scenario if we bring it back to a more local issue of as as individuals kim doesn't matter what fancy words we use there are hell a lot of people in this world that are suffering and I think the more as, you know, putting the coach hat back on, we can inspire. Well, actually, no, forget the coach hat. Putting the humane hat back on, you know, the compassionate, loving, caring human being, putting that back on for no other reason that I care about somebody is is where the world, in my humble opinion, um, needs to head, whatever word we attribute to that. Yeah, I, I agree. And just as you were talking then, I was thinking about... Um, love and and hope and what they offer for people and you talked about um a belief i think what love and hope actually do is create an open space so in in my life when i have um you know felt disconnected not you know felt kind of despair and that sort of thing it feels very closed and very disconnected as i said and i i was just reflecting on when there's love and hope and belief in my life, it feels open. I feel kind of open to whatever is going to happen. So it's interesting. We talked about that whole aspect of uncertainty and certainty uh, earlier, Paul, because when I have love and hope, I'm prepared to be in uncertainty far more. So there's something very, um, it's grounding and, um, you know, you, you raise the word acceptance and it just feels kind of stronger than that. It feels like there's a there's a foundation for something, even though I'm not quite sure what that is. And then that allows me to kind of be with the uncertainty of whatever's in front of me. So, you know, that was sort of a bit of a roundabout conversation. But it was just sort of thinking about when we have love and hope in our lives. You know, think about the time, you know, when you you met someone and you you kind of were in that process of falling in love with someone or you meet this new friend and there's this connection and you're discovering each other, there's something that really opens up. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, you're perhaps feeling a, 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 whether you call it love or not, some sort of connectedness uh, and you feel there's a basis for something, but there's an exploration and it feels like there's an open, like a, like you're, you know, coming out of the, forest if you like and walking into this open field and going ah oh, look at all this mm. and that's what those two words is just as you were talking I was thinking there's a there's a, a an opening I think that happens when we when we um when we feel 
those things in our lives. It's yeah, I like that. That I like the way you frame that because that that conjures up this this visualization, as you say, we're walking into it's almost walking out of the darkness, the dark forest. I mean, in my emerging from the forest book, that was exactly what you <laughs> you've described there. I'm walking away from a dark forest and and towards the end of it, the sun's starting to glimmer through, and the more I go towards the sun, it's getting stronger and lighter. And, you know, that kind of spring in the step, and you look back over your shoulder and think, wow, look what I've left behind, that darkness, that desperation, um, and all that all that kind of negativity. So I think what, what does filter through from this, um, Kim, in many respects, love and hope are hand in glove, but at the same time, they are monumental words in their own right, they're big players, big individual words in their own right. For me personally, you put them together, and this is certainly the basis, a lot of the, the, the words I use and the language and the emotion and the energy within my coaching and mentoring business, uh, and even in my, in my written word and my spoken word, is around these the simplicity of our words and communicating in a language that maybe not everyone, because we can't be all things to all people, but certainly the masses understand. And, and as you say, notwithstanding, that is so subjective. So when we talk about love to, you know, to people generally, it's got that connotation of good. Um, mm. Or maybe it's not if they've just come out of a, a, you know, a nasty, bitter relationship of 20, 30 years or, or however long it is. Maybe it's not. It's like, I don't want to hear that word ever again. You know, blah, 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 because he or she left me and... I hate and, and I'm never going to fall in love again and I'm going to be up or whatever it is. And similarly with hope, it's like there is that can be, as you quite rightly alluded to at the top of this, con that connotation. Well, what does that flimsy word mean? And it's mm. and it's not until we actually challenge and engage each other, is it, that, okay, so what do you mean then by the word love? What do you really, tell me what you feel. You know, mm. and very often, Kim, and I and I and I'm pleased to say this, and I say this with um a real smile on my face, I sometimes struggle around explaining certain words. And I'm really glad about that because what that does for me personally is put it back into the realms of heart stroke feeling. I don't want to intellectualize it. I don't want to mm. rationalize it. I want to just show you how I feel. And then we're into another word then, aren't we? Called action yeah I, I i was just reflecting on you know you you sort of saying i don't want to intellectualize it it's a it's a really interesting thing because i love going to the movies and the theater on my own mm. and a lot of people say you're just really weird and i just went no 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 i love to go with no expectations i love to immerse myself in the experience and actually i don't want to have this debate necessarily afterwards about what it all meant I just want to be left with how I felt when I was in the theatre or when certain things happened. I just want to sort of be with the feeling instead of pulling it apart and talking it through. You know, it's that proverbial um, baby's rattle. Once you pull it apart, it loses its magic. Mm. You know, it loses its its power. Um, and, yeah, and that, that can feel... Uh, it, it can feel quite strange when other people are kind of going, yeah, but who do you talk to about the movie afterwards? And I go, well, no one. I don't need to talk about 
what I felt and what I thought. It, you know, it's not an intellectual experience. So I just wanted to share that example with you because it really resonated, you know, this feeling of like, no, I don't want to. People kind of go, what was it about? And I go, oh, well, you know, and I can tell you how it felt, but I don't want to pull it apart at the seams. And that's a bit like love and hope. There's a, there's a, um, there's a feeling of, I think they're both words where um, there's an essence of vulnerability. And when we open ourselves up to love and hope and, and perhaps pursuing those things um, and taking action, as you said, you know, there's a risk of being disappointed. Mm. You know, we're creating an expectation. And I think that's what makes them so powerful and so beautiful in some ways, but so frightening in others. Which then brings in the word courage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a domino effect, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It is. But I think, um, you know, action takes courage, whatever whatever action we take and, and, and being conscious about um, the actions we take in our lives. I mean, you know, the brain loves an autopilot. It's a lazy thing. Goes, what shortcuts can I, can I possibly put in place so I don't have to work so hard? Uh, for you um, <laughs> but it's sort of interrupting that and and being conscious of some of those automatic choices and actions that takes courage and then and then choosing what to do about them choosing the, you know do we continue with that or do, or do we make change do we take action do we take risk do we risk loving someone do we risk hoping for something better you know, it's hard to hope for something better at the risk of being disappointed. How many people do you know talk about, I'd rather the devil I know mm. than the devil I don't? Mm. You know, that's, you know, it's kind of like a hope killer. <laughs> yeah. And so, and sometimes it's valid, mm. you know, to not kill hope, but um, to go with the devil you know rather than the one you don't. But, but you know, making that a conscious choice, I think, is the thing we're talking about about here if you're not reaching then make a conscious choice not to reach don't just make it a habit in your life to kill off all the hopeful and hopeful things and all the things that can bring you love so listeners just building on what kim said there about that that uh, beware what i call beware the ides of expectation um because we do do that naturally one of the things that I've learned over the years, uh, and it can be based on hope, it can be based on a plan, it can be based on whatever word you want to use. But, you know, aim at striving for something better, whether that's, you know, money, a relationship, whatever it is, the principle's the same. So I'd just like to share this with your listeners around one of the things that's that served me well in recent years. So I will have a vision around a particular thing. I don't know, let's say uh, to attract more money, for example, or a new relationship or a new partnership, whatever it may be. The principle's the same, irrespective. What I would do then, I would ask myself is, how badly do I want it? Do I really want this? Or is this something that would be nice to have? Because nice is, in my humble opinion, a very bland kind of, it's, it's, it's got no oomph behind it. So, you know, is it something that, because I've got a spare Sunday afternoon, or it'd be nice if every Sunday afternoon I could do this, or no, actually, every Sunday afternoon, because I've got three hours spare, I am going to do, and I am going to commit. Are you, Paul? Why? Why do you want to do that? I am going to commit to the gym because... 
you know, it'll make me feel stronger, healthier, mind, body, blah, 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 and all that kind of thing. Right, that's real, that's powerful. So let's use that as an example. So I've got three, hypothetically, three hours spare, Sunday afternoon, right, that's gym time every week now. I've bottomed out my why. It's got a strong lever to make me want to do it. The big why, as Simon Sinek calls it. So what, okay, so what does that entail then? What I will devise is a strategy. So my training program when I get down there, how I'm going to get to the gym, how I'm going to get back. So it might be half an hour walk there, half an hour walk back. That leads me two hours. Okay, I'm going to train for, say, an hour and 15. That will leave me 45 minutes to have a shower. I've all of a sudden allocated those three hours. My big why is strong. I want to do it. And what do I do now? I completely let go of it all. I've got in my headspace, I've got a schedule, I've got a, an itinerary, call it what you will, bang, 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 bang. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, great. I'm going to take the action, but I know that there's something far greater at play here than me because I'm not in control of that. The gym might shut because of whatever reason. They might have a, a burst pipe. That's out of my control. There might have been an accident outside where they've cordoned the road off. That's out of my control. Am I going to get disappointed because my plans have been disrupted? No, I'm not because I'm detached from it. I've put a plan in place. I put a strategy in place and then, right, okay, I'm just going to let go of it. I'm still going to take the action every Sunday afternoon to turn up. But if it doesn't happen, okay, it's not meant to happen. And just that subtle twist on accepting that, do you know, as, as much as our ego as human beings, we think we've got all the answers and we know everything and I'll have it my way and I'll do it my way. And do you know what? I'm going to play safe and I'm going to control everything. Well, good luck on that one because I speak from bitter experience or should I say from experience that mm, it's a short-lived plan. Any thoughts on that, Kim? Plenty. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about the, um, the gym metaphor. Uh, actually, and thinking about um, the reason why, and and sort of tracking back to mine. So, um, a few a few years ago, um, I was uh, much uh, much heavier than I than I am now, and um, but I was that I wasn't sort of bothered about it. I was kind of fine with being overweight. I didn't worry about it too much. But there was something happening at work that was really um, affecting my mental health. I was super stressed. I wasn't sleeping. I was doing a lot of international travel, which wasn't helping the sleeping patterns. But it started to really impact my mental health. So my reason why started as I need to do something that 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 helps me mentally, that 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 eases this stress and this, you know, sort of up and down, extreme up and down that I'm feeling. And um, my family, we all grew up as swimmers. My mum was sort of like a state level champion swimmer. My sister and I grew up, you know, learning to swim from the age of 18 months. We did competitions and all that sort of stuff. So swimming was my go-to place. And we had a, 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 a gym underneath our building that had a pool and I thought right I'm gonna I'm just gonna go down and swim once a week and it was all about just clearing 
my head and getting back into the water. I find it really meditative. Uh, now for the first um, week and a half, I struggled because I was so unfit. I hadn't swum for years, all the muscles hurt. I was out of breath, but within two weeks of just kind of going, so I think it'd been three times, all of a sudden there was this flow that started to happen and it really started to make a difference to how I slept, how I dealt with things in the office. I felt much calmer. I felt much stronger mentally. Um, so my why got answered in the first instance, but actually what happened is I swam, I started to swim twice a week, um, a kilometre and a half every swim, and I'd do it in 40 minutes. So it was quite, you know, I pushed myself quite hard. Now I did it mentally, but actually what happened is I lost 30 kilos in two years um, in terms of weight. And then I realised that actually the weight had had an impact on my physical and mental well-being. So my first reason why was the mental the mental um, stress and managing that. But then as I went along, other things happened that I kind of went, oh, actually, I didn't realise this had such an impact before and it's all feeding in. So, you know, sometimes um, the reason why and that the obvious outcome doesn't necessarily look like it links until you kind of let go of the way it's supposed to look and be with actually what's happening. So you talked about, you know, if the gym doesn't open for that for four weeks or they say we're going to close for three months, you have um, a reason why about, you know, your, your physical fitness. So that will lead you to look for another solution or strategy because your reason why is, is so strong. So, you know, it just made me really think about, um, you know, people have talked to me about losing weight for years and I just, you know, it, it just did not land. It didn't shift anything. But this, you know, dealing with my mental health and that's now I learned that's where I need to start with any area of my life. So I start in, with managing my head and, and looking at that. So it's gone a bit off piste from love and hope, but um, I, I guess the, the love and hope um, I was thinking of uh, when you were talking as well, Paul, is that, Love and hope is a choice. It's not something that happens to us. It's something we can choose. And that's what I learned out of that experience of, um, of I guess, starting with the why and then going, okay, let's just keep moving forward. Mm. I have faith. I, I hope this will make a difference. I, and I guess through that process, I learned a new level of, of love for myself and love for investing in myself in a new way um, through the swimming and, and looking after myself physically. Yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, I've had many debates with relationship experts around that very same thing, um, Kim, where love is a choice. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. No, aren't you? No, I'm not. Because, um, and this is... This, this might be a nice uh, point to leave it. Listeners, I don't know how you feel about metaphorically being left hanging, but um, yeah, I mean, I'll let Kim have the last word on this. But And the reason I say, and I kind of bite to a large degree that it is a choice, but not totally. And the reason it's not 100% for me is why is it when... You know, and you can call this romanticism, you can call it what you will, but certain people at certain times click to, you know, and that proverbial eyes met across the room, butterflies, bang, 
that, you know, Cupid struck the bow, so to speak, struck the arrow from the bow. Those things do happen. And you can you can call that, as I say, romanticism, fluffy, hairy, fairy, call it what you will, but <laughs> it happens. And yeah. there's no choice in that. Or maybe there's, there's choices that's led up to that. I don't know. But I don't think it's as black and white as choice. And, you know, I've, as I say, I've personally had many in-depth debates about this. I'm not convinced. But I'll let you have the last word, Kim, before we uh, we start to sign off. Wow. That's a big space to leave for a small <laughs> last word. Thanks a lot, Paul. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it goes back to this this idea of something bigger, and we talked about that at the start. This acceptance of like that that we seem to have, and that we, we sort of say that not everybody has that there's something more that we don't understand, mm. um, and that perhaps we don't need to understand. So we like to understand and be certain and know how things work, but maybe part of um, being human is accepting there's just more than us in whatever way you choose to see that. Is it the connection across the room? Is it that you have a a faith in um, a God or a religion or or a spirituality or a way of life? Or is it just, you know, your belief is that, you know, families are a certain way. So you know, I think there there's something bigger than than all of us. It's a bit of a it feels like a bit of a big esoteric kind of thing to say, but we don't we don't know everything. And I think there's something humbling and exciting about this idea of something more than more than just me or just us. Mm. So there we have it, listeners. It's uh, on that very uncertain note, Kim. I invite you in to share with uh, with us again. Your contact details, how people can reach out to you? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I will uh, blurb on for a little bit while you go and either get a piece of paper or open the notes on your phone because I'm about to spell something um, for you. Uh, I am uh, all over different social media platforms. Uh, so the easiest way that you can find me is to Google me. So uh, if you're ready, I will spell my name. It's an unusual name, so you will find me if you Google me. It's Kim, K-Y-M, and my last name is Hamer, H-A-M for Mary, E-R. If you pop that in Google, uh, I'll come up on all sorts of different social media platforms, and then you can go into whichever one you're most comfortable with, whichever one works for you. Um, Feel free to reach out. Um, Let me know that you heard uh, Paul and I chatting um, about this today, um, I'd love to to hear your thoughts uh, on our uncertain finish to this discussion. <laughs> um, so maybe to redress the uh, balance then, all that remains now, listeners, is for me to be a bit more certain and say, remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. 